we are jumping into a new series this morning on Pentecost Sunday, and we're talking about our miraculous God. And so we'll be focusing in on, you you know, uh, miracles and uh, what God wants to do as it relates to miracles. And the message this morning, again, if you got your uh, bulletin, there's a a handout that you can follow along with. We want to look at uh, laying some foundations here today. That's, that's the goal of today is that we would get some foundations that would stir our hearts, uh, that would uh, hopefully uh, put on the radar, put on our perspective, just some fresh reminders that our God is a miraculous God. You know, uh, Wednesday night, Pastor James in his message, he was sharing, you know, on the scripture, uh, you know, God hates the, the hands that shed innocent blood. So he talked a little bit about that. And then he spent a bunch of time talking about, here's what God designed your hands for. You know, and at one spot he said, take a look at your hands. You know, God has divine purpose for your hands. You know, and I know part of his heart in sharing that is that we would be during the week, you know, walking by, taking a look and saying, yeah, these hands, divine purpose. God wants to do something. That, that's the same um, focus. That's the same target that I'm looking at here today that we would leave saying, our God does miracles. He does them now. He wants to do them in my life and he wants to do them through my life. And just get that on the radar, amen, right? And to to get our expectancy stirred up, to get our our faith stirred up as we look at it. So let's look at defining a miracle, first of all, because somebody could eat a a really good taco and say that was miraculous, you know? And as close to the truth as that might be, it does fall short of being the kind of miracle we're talking about here today. Miracles as recorded in the Bible, they're acts of God. Uh, These are events or actions or circumstances uh, that are entirely different to the use of the word today. They are things that will either affect the natural order of things based on the, the laws that God has put in place, or they'll work with such a timing in those things uh, where God would maneuver things so that his will get, will, will get done through that miraculous thing. You know, like a hailstorm falling just at the right time, so Israel is delivered in the Old Testament. A hailstorm is a natural phenomenon, but it happening on the army, in the battle, at that time, because God said he would deliver them, that is a miracle of God. Amen? Right? So, uh, and, and then, there, amen, there's a picture uh, of of miracles that just defy uh, anything that we understand and know uh, about our natural world. So what what we're going to do is just simply look at four thoughts regarding our miraculous God, regarding miracles this morning, and again, that we just want to take away and carry with us and hopefully stir some things up. Remember, our theme for this year is uh, live on purpose, living with purpose, you know, so, so part of what we're looking at here today is, okay, God, do I see you the way you want me to see you? Am I walking this out in my life the way you want it to be walked out? And, you know, um, living with purpose, living, uh, I I call it a compass-driven life, living by the compass rather than the calendar. 
You know, sometimes our calendar can drive uh, what we do, you know, but we want to live by the compass. What's priority, what's uh, purpose-driven, what's out of our values, you know, and, and that's what God wants us to do all the time. But, you know, this year in particular, we really felt like it, it was important for us to just continue to beat that drum and continue to uh, uh, approach that, that uh, understanding that we have to stay driven by purpose. And in our culture, more than ever, before uh, wants to bring distraction. So we want to be constantly reflecting and going back and asking ourselves, am I doing things right? More importantly, am I doing the right things? Uh, are my priorities what God says they should be? So that, that's the context of us looking at our miraculous God. And I think this will piece together more as we look at it. So, all right, so let's jump in these four thoughts uh, on this topic. So number one, miracles are possible because of God's nature. Uh, you, you know, as I was marinating on the message here over the weekend, you know, uh, I, I just I heard God speaking this to my heart. God made man in his image. Mankind is constantly trying to make God in his image. And, you know, all the difference in the world, if we don't recognize, you know, God is not uh, to, to be designed by us. In fact, God lets us know in his word, doesn't he, that, that we're not going to be able to fathom and understand and grasp who he is unless he shows us. But he did take time in his word to show us who he is. And, you know, we see it um, actually in nature. We're going to look at a verse in Romans in just a minute where it tells us that, you know, nature just screams out to us, there is a God. Humanity in our arrogance has had to work very hard to explain God out of uh, just this world that we live in and we look all around. You know, God designed it where we would just look up at the stars in the sky and say, God, I worship you. You know, just look at just the, this beautiful world around us that he's given us. God, God has also uh, revealed himself and his character in history. And much of that we have captured in the Word of God and in other places in history. The words of the prophets recorded in the Word of God showing uh, God's heart. So, so let's look at Romans 1, verses 19 and 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You know, so, so just, you know, you know, when you study theology, they say, so this is the general revelation of God. God put it in our world around us that, that we would just see that there's a designer, that there's intelligent design, that there is someone greater, something greater. But then also, you know, we're made aware uh, that, that God's special revelation to us, all, all that God would reveal is encapsulated in Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Wow. 
That's, that's so heavy. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. How do all things hold together? You know, in science, they, they, they say we don't quite actually understand why everything all stays together in our universe. God told us in his word. It's, it's, it's through the sun. It's through the eternal word of God. Uh, and so it says, uh, being held together by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So why miracles? Why are there miracles? Uh, because of God's nature. And I tell you, we could break this down and look at these in a whole series of messages, but let's just, let's just look at some of the things about who God says he is. God says that he's transcendent which means he's above, outside of everything he created. But then he also tells us that he's imminent and near. He's not out watching from a distance, but he's here and, and he's chosen to live in our hearts. That's what makes us born again as, as New Testament believers. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's all-knowing. And then he also shares with us that he is perfectly holy. He is perfect justice. He is absolutely righteous. He is the creator and he is our creator. He is love. He's mercy. He's grace. He's eternal. It's incredible, right? When we think of, e we can't think of eternity in light of the timeline that we live in. God lives outside of time because he created time. He's eternal. How cool is that? He's infinite. He's unchangeable. And then we know he reveals in his word uh, that he is Trinity, that he is three distinct persons, yet absolutely one God. Pretty outstanding, huh? So when we look at it from this perspective, you know, um, the 18th century philosopher David Hume defined a miracle as a violation of natural law. God would not be God if he were a prisoner of natural law. You know, that would be like me in woodshop designing a, a, a box made of wood and then having to step inside it and stay inside it. That just doesn't make any sense. The fact that he's God and he created it all. So, right, this whole idea of, so are miracles possible? Does God do miracles? I mean, it's who he is, right? Living on purpose. What does that mean in our day-to-day? -day? I had a conversation with a brother on Thursday, so bless my heart. He said something like this. So, yeah, um, you, you know, I got up this morning and said to the Lord, okay, Jesus, what are we doing today? Something to that effect. You know, I thought that's, that's living on purpose and that's recognizing our miracle working God is wanting to work with us in our day to day. Can you say amen? amen? So God is outside over and above natural law. He's not bound by it. And God has the right and the power to intervene how he chooses. So, so first off the bat, because of God's nature, there, you know, uh, there are miracles. Uh, number two, miracles confirm that Jesus is the long prophesied Messiah. 
Let's take a look at John 14, verses 8 to 14. Now, you know, his disciples had been with him for quite a while now. They had seen miracles. They, they've experienced all this wonder, right? And, uh, you know, let's pick up in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And, you know, Jesus is like, what do you think I've been showing you? You know, he goes on in verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, here it is, believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Now, now here, here it gets taken a step further. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Wow, just incredible a picture. So, so miracles confirm that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And, and when we talk about the long prophesied Messiah, man, we go right back to the garden. We go back to Genesis chapter 3, the fall in the garden, and, and, and God is, uh, you know, Father is speaking to the serpent and saying, uh, there is one that is coming and you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Actually, in the language, it's he's going to break your headship. You know, you've messed things up here, but the world is going to be turned right. And then, you know, uh, one of the church fathers worded it this way, and then we can follow the scarlet thread of salvation that's woven all through the Bible. There's one that's coming. There's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior that's coming. And then when we look at the miracles of Jesus, he did things like walking on water. He did things like telling storms to be still. And that was so significant because he's the creator of all this stuff. By his word, all of that holds together, right? So, you know, he's saying, hey, if you don't believe the words, look at these confirming signs that are showing I am who I said I am. And, and very interesting, Jesus performed his miracles predominantly in public, right? There was every opportunity for people to investigate, uh, right there on the spot. And uh, it, it's impressive to note the opponents of Jesus never ever disputed that the miracles happened, right? Anytime we read through the testimony in the Word of God, there's no place where they, as a matter of fact, you, you know, we, we can hear them say, well, a notable miracle has been done. What are we going to do about this? You know, the religious leaders blind to who he is and, you know, responding in all the wrong ways, you know, but there's never a denial of the actual miracles. And unfortunately, what they did is they attributed this not to the Messiah has come, but instead they attributed it to the enemy. All right, so as we talk about the miracles confirming Jesus as Messiah, I want to talk about four different words used in the New Testament uh, that, that are given, that, that explain miracles to us. And this is kind of going to bridge us to the next point that we look at here. So the first one uh, translates basically, we'll see it commonly in, in English, as a sign. Uh, an evidence of a divine commission, uh, something attesting to a divine message, just like we've been talking about uh, with Jesus here. Then there's a second word uh, that, that we will oftentimes translate wonders. 
uh, a wonder-causing event. And are you ready for me to dazzle you with my incredible theological depth here? So if you want to know what a wonder does, are you ready? It makes you wonder. How about that? How about that, right? It makes you wonder. It produces astonishment, and we see it in the Word of God, right? In the, in the New King James, in the King James, they walk away and they say, you know, we have seen strange things today. Out of the ordinary things. In the King James, they would say, what meaneth this? What in the world is this that we just experienced? Because this is out of the normal order of things, whether it's in creation, the world around me, and in, in, in how people have been doing church as it was at that time, you know, Old Testament as, as Jews living in Israel. A third word translates mighty works, and it's the word dunamis. Sometimes we refer to, you know, we kind of equate that idea of dynamite power, you know, so uh, works of superhuman power, uh, something of a new and higher power. And then the fourth word, that we see very commonly uh, is it, we just translate it works. Uh, so the wonder-working power, you know, we sing about that in hymns and in praise songs, right? The wonder-working power of the Lamb. Okay, so, so it's God's nature. Because of his nature, there are miracles. Miracles confirm that Jesus is the Messiah. Number three, uh, the gospel that we are to share with the world is a message of miracles. Uh, there's so many ways we could break this down, but it's just so nicely encapsulated in Mark 16, verses 15 to 20. Uh, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming his word by the signs that accompanied it. So we are to preach the gospel. It is to be a miraculous gospel that we preach. Now, what we see here in, in Mark 16, you know, is kind of like the big panoramic view. But if we kind of zero down, you know, when Jesus gave them this commission, he also told them, I want you, before you do that, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem. And I want you to pray, and I want you to tarry until you receive this endowment of power, until you are baptized or clothed in the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, you will be clothed in the power of God's Spirit, and then you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. You know, it talks about and ultimately to the uh, uttermost parts of the earth. You will be my witness. Church, that's all we're called to do is be witnesses for him. But we're called to do it baptized, clothed, immersed in his Holy Spirit. It was after they were filled with the Spirit. They all poured out onto the street, you know, and the crowd gathered. And from that point, it was just moving forward, advancing, preaching this gospel. I, I love in Mark how it says, preach the gospel to all creation. It doesn't even say preach to all people. It doesn't just say preach to every tribe and tongue and nation. It says just shout it out, proclaim it to all of creation. 
that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died, was buried, rose again, is now seated at the right hand of the Father as the King of kings and the Lord of lords with a name above every name that out of every knee will bow. And he is coming again just the way he left. That, that day where he said, you go wait for the Holy Spirit, he was taken up into heaven. And then the angels are saying, by the way, this is how he's coming back. So amen. Praise God. It's a miraculous gospel. It's a miraculous God confirming a miraculous Messiah. And it's meant to be a miraculous gospel that we preach. Not something that we conjure, not something that we manufacture. Uh, but this brings us then into our, our fourth point. Now, now understand, let me, let me just make one more comment about um, the uh, miracles confirming the Messiahship of Jesus, confirming the Messiah has come. Not only did that happen in the life of Jesus while he was on the earth, but now we as his body, we confirm that Jesus is who he said he is because God does miracles among his people to show the lost, to show the skeptic, to show the unsaved that he is who he said he is. Can you say amen? So, so that, that idea of he showed and he is showing that he is a Messiah through the miracles. But then there's also, if there's, we, you know, when we look at the function of miracles, there's times where God's people are between uh, a rock and a Red Sea. And the only answer is that God is going to have to blow open a pathway through the sea for his people to move through. You know, there's other times where there's not enough and God multiplies and makes enough. He is our provider. He is the meter of our needs. He is the one who has purchased our salvation. And that, and that word salvation is a picture of complete and total healing to our lives, right? That word shalom is not just, uh, hey, peace, peace, brother, right? It, it's, it's a peace in all areas where we would need peace. Peace to our body, peace to our finances, peace to our homes, peace to our relationships, peace to our soul. Come on, can you say amen? So, so God wants to work and move in our lives as a miraculous God. And then he wants to work through our lives as a miraculous God. So point number four here, there is an environment for miracles. Sometimes God will just sidestep us and he'll just start doing stuff. You know, but there's an environment that we can create uh, where, you know, so, so it's not works, it's not talking God into something, but it's creating an environment where God is invited and welcomed. Amen. Galatians 3 verse 5 captures this so well. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Again, the miracles are, are assumed in this, in this passage. What was going on here in the Galatians is they were trying to go back to, well, if we're really religious and we follow the law, and Paul is reminding them, no, the law was pointing you to Jesus. You can't keep the law. That's why you need a Savior. And then as we move in his grace, as we trust him by faith, his miraculous power, he gets to do what he wills as he wills it. 
So he says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So just a, a few, few things for us to think about here on creating this environment for miracles. Number one is faith. Right, so we just got done understanding there are times where the disciples were like, wait, what'd he do? You know, there's no faith going on, you know. They were like, he just asked for bread. You know, this is a long walk till we find bread. What, what are we going to do here? You know, and Jesus is like, just bring me the boy's lunch and I'll do a miracle. Right, you know. So there are times where, where God is doing sovereignly to show who he is. But the principal way that we live and walk out, our, our walk as disciples and believers, is that we walk by faith and not by sight. See, church, the, the, oh, the world has gotten so good on us focusing on all that's negative going on in our world. How many know we can't stare at the news and then have faith to see that God is the miracle-working God? You know, I'm not saying put your head in the ground and don't know what's going on. But they, they designed the news. I mean, even the weathermen are out to get us, right? You know, they don't get on and say, hey, good news, 70% chance it's going to be sunny. No, instead they look and they say, 30% chance of rain, you know? I mean, and, and that's, that's the whole picture we look at here. That's why I want to bring us back to this, you, you know, reminder, living on purpose. And, uh, you, you know, I, I mentioned this in first service. You know, there's been a lot of words. Hey, let's just pause for, some, for a second here, right? Something's in the air. The Lord's, Lord's doing something. This church family, you've been so faithful seeking God. The, I mean, this, this, I mean, through our generations and, and legacy, but I'm talking about in this present season as we're recognizing amidst all this mess that's been going on in our world, we've been seeking and hungering and pressing in and humbling ourselves and crying out and, and looking toward God and he's been leading us and he's been talking and he's been given different words and, and instruction and things for us to focus on. And, and, and I'm so grateful even, you know, uh, the Cynthia and, and Pastor Diane and our prayer folks saying, hey, when we hear these words, let's keep praying these things. Let's remember what God's saying. Let's not despise prophecy. Let's, let's honor and make sure that we're, we're living so in light of that. And, and there was one earlier this year where, where Jane was sharing, again, I said in first service, thought maybe it was February, maybe March, something like that. But it had to do with clean out the clutter, get rid of the clutter. And, you know, I, the, the, the words that are shared, they bear witness. And I say, Lord, amen, that's you. But something unique happened to me that day. My spirit leapt inside me. I literally, like, like, ah! Like on the inside, whoa, Lord, you just put an exclamation point on something. I don't know if anybody else in the room felt that, but I did. And, and I'm like, Lord, you so have my attention right now, you know? And, and this is a time, there, there, this is a crossroads time for God's church and, and certainly for our church. Amen. Amen. And so coming on halfway point into the year, you know, 
our culture has more to distract us than ever before. I know that's not something new that I've said in, in sharing and preaching and stuff, but I just want to keep going back and beating that drum and beating that drum that we make sure that we are taking great care to examine our lives. Am I allowing distractions to get in the way of me living the way God wants me to live? Because wow, God wants to be a miracle-working God in my life and through my life, right? Amen? And so he's going to continue to talk to us. There's, there's a time where I felt like the Lord said, I want you to fast back on, on these things. Not bad things, but just fast, fast on it. And then kind of get through that season. And the Lord said, yeah, you, you got to keep doing that. Keep going, you know. And then there are times where the, I've heard the Lord say, yeah, you got to get back to that. Like the Lord is working in me saying, keep the distraction pushed out of your life so that I can do what, what I, so I can do in your life what I want to do. Okay. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, you know, this picture of, you know, uh, the environment, it's one of faith. It's one of humility. It's one of hunger. See, another thing that I think, you know, we have so many blessings, so many blessings in our modern culture, but so many times the blessings can, we get spoiled spiritually where we don't even realize what's going on. You know, it goes back to, you know, now again, we don't have to talk God into anything as far as God moving. He wants to move. He wants to be glorified. He's not willing that any would perish. Is that, is that not awesome, right? You know, on the flip side, God is not going to respond to our microwave culture and just, Lord, I'm praying for five minutes. Come pour out your glory. I'm reading through a book. Uh, is it by Peter Wagner or Elmer Towns? It's on the, the 10 greatest revivals worldwide. And it's talking all, you know, one of the characteristics, actually, this should be so encouraging for us. Let me give you two characteristics. In every setting, the world was so dark, so busted. It's good news, amen? And then the second thing, God's people were so hungry just so hungry, so seeking his face, and seeking his face, and seeking his face. As a matter of fact, there's one I was reading, uh, reading about, you know, it, you know, the answer might be, well, well, how long do I pray? How do I know when it's enough? We know when God has broken out and done what he's wanted to do is when it's enough, right? I, I'm, I tell you, that, that's a fresh reminder to me. Just go and don't stop. Pulse, yes. Breath, yes. Keep going until what God wants accomplished gets accomplished, right? And so part of that, we, we can understand why the enemy would want to just bring so much distraction. Uh, actually, this one I remember I, I learned, uh, you, could, you could hear the Pastor Waltism in this. I remember hearing this at Grace and Peace for the first time. Amusement, amuse, without thinking, right? We are, we are filled with all kinds of things that want to, Make us live in a way without thinking. Maybe put it on a spiritual level without discerning. You know, I was just uh, d doing some studying on some stuff as it relates to people aging and, and memory stuff. And the, it, it, the more and more we veg out on amusement, the worse it is for our brain as we age. 
Amen. I mean, just on and on it goes, right? But I mean, the, the bigger picture of what we're looking at here is God wants to work in us and there's just more distraction than ever before. Which, which again, at the end of the day, doesn't mean that we can't have technology and not, you know, employ all of the options that are out there, but we have to live purpose-driven lives, right? Where this stuff is curbed, where we're accountable, you know, and where it works to serve what God wants. So as we wrap this up here, faith humility, uh, hunger, obedience. You know, it says in the word, they will find me when they seek me with all their heart. So I just want to encourage you, if there's a personal miracle area, you know, and you've gotten weary, you know, the, 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 the exhortation today is just keep pressing in. How long, Jim? How long? Until the Lord breaks through and does what he wants to do. Why does it take this amount of time or that amount of time? I, I don't understand all, how all that works, but I do know you're not talking him into caring about you because he already cares about you. You're not talking him into bringing blessing because that's his nature. You're not talking him into a miracle because he's a miracle-working God. There is something that happens in prayer where we pull heaven into the circumstance. Which is why we say, I won't be moved by what I see. I'll be moved by the word of God. So obedience, surrender, let me say this again, faith, humility, all of these will work together. So, so in closing, you know, when we look at a miracle working God, uh, in the Old Testament, in Malachi 3.6, God said, for I am the Lord, I do not change. And in Hebrews 13.8, we're told Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. That means that he did miracles then, he'll do miracles now. Amen. Amen. So, hey, as we close, let's, let's let the response, as a matter of fact, uh, it's, it's worded in your, uh, the next steps on, on the sheet in your bulletin there. Here's the takeaway. Going back to what I said earlier with Pastor James and looking at your hands, can we in this next week observe, Lord, how do you, how can I more embrace you, God, as the God of miracles in my life? Greater expectancy? Maybe we would look and honestly say, wow, I don't even realize it, but I've constructed my own image of God, and it's a God that's limited by my circumstances. You know, we say, I'm tearing that image down. And he's going to be the God of miracles. He's going to be the God who he said he is in the Bible. And I'm just going to be committed that no matter what, I'm taking him at his word. So in what way can we in this next week and beyond say, Lord, help me to embrace you more this way? Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's just bow our heads. Let's close and wrap up. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You are so good. Oh, Lord. Lord, you've done so much. You've done so much in our midst. And Lord, we're just getting started. God, we just bow our hearts right now before you. We ask that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Help us take a little bit of inventory this morning. Are there any areas where we have not allowed you to show us who you are, but where we have made you somehow in our image, our perception? Lord, we just say we repent of that in the name of Jesus. 
and we say, Lord, we choose today to see you as you have revealed yourself to us in your holy word. God, as we look at the circumstances in our life right now, Lord, whether we be on the mountaintop or in the valley, Lord, we say that you are greater than our circumstances. And even in the blessings and the valleys, Lord, we say we don't walk by sight, but that we choose to walk and live by faith. And God, we just invite you, just as, uh, as my dear brother did uh, in that conversation this week, Lord, we invite you to help us grow us, stretch us, to live in a way where we will rise each morning and say, so Jesus, what are we doing today? Help us to dare to trust you. So stretch us, grow us, lead us. And Lord, as we have been praying for revival, as we've been asking you to come and move and heal our land, Lord, we thank you that as the world looks darker, it's never bigger than you. And so we choose to put our eyes on you, recognizing our nation, our world is, is prime, is ripe for a mighty outpouring of God. And so, Lord, just the best we know how, we just say, Lord, use us. Lord, just use us. Just work in us. So God, we commit ourselves into your hands. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.